Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Well, hello and welcome back to number six of our six-part series entitled Walking the Tightrope. Can you believe we're already at the end? Man, super excited to, to close our series talking about spiritual community. We're going to talk about some attitudes that cultivate an environment where we can all grow in spiritual community. I also want to invite you to our next teaching series. We start a new series next week, Make Plans to attend, whether in person or digitally online. If you haven't already, also join a small group. The end of a series, beginning of a new series, is a great time to start a small group, to be in that from the first of a series through the end. If you're not already in a small group, I want to encourage you to do that. It's a great place to connect and really go deeper, but also just a place to be known, to be known by others, develop deeper relationships in spiritual community. If you haven't uh, already, please download the Vintage Church app. The Vintage Church app will help keep you up to date with everything happening in our church. Be sure to download it and enable notifications. Don't worry, we won't bug you regularly, but we will remind you about important things. I don't know about you, but as the world gets crazier and faster and we're going into this this new season, uh, we we need some reminders. And so we want to remind you to stay engaged. Make sure you download the Vintage Church app. Again, today, we're going to shift our conversation. Remember, we've been in this series where we've been studying the first and second books of Thessalonians. These are Paul's letters to the church at Thessalonica. This was a church plant, and he received a report that there were some false teachers who were confusing the people about Christ's return and end-time events and how to walk out their faith in uncertain, uh, confusing, fearful times. And so Paul pins these letters to really encourage these believers. I hope that this series has also encouraged you as a Christian. Much of what he's talking to us about can still encourage us today with everything we're facing in our world. We're going to wrap up and we're going to talk about spiritual community. I want to remind you that Paul planted this church. So as we wrap up this, Paul kind of comes out as a pastor and he takes a moment to really pastor people relationally. Just like we see the church as spiritual family, Paul saw these people in Thessalonica, not just as strangers, but as brothers and sisters, uh, sons and daughters, aunts and uncles, right, in Christ as a part of God's family. I'm going to ask you a question. If you were talking to your family, people you loved, you poured into, you had relationship with people you wanted more for them than from them, and you had just 60 seconds to talk to them. Okay. You had just 60 seconds to talk to them and to tell them, ask them how to thrive spiritually. You had 60 seconds to give your advice. You had to get it all in there in 60 seconds, teaching them everything they need to know to thrive spiritually. Here, as we wrap up, Paul actually gives an encouragement that takes you about 60 seconds to read. And inside this 60 seconds, he gives us so many things that teach us how to thrive spiritually. And he starts and he centers in around this idea of spiritual community. 
Paul gives us four attitudes as we close out our series of a healthy spiritual community. The very first attitude that he gives us is an attitude of peace with one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 13 says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Verse 13, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And look at this, and live peaceably with each other. I love this verse because he starts out this verse and he, and he says, hey, hey, you guys need to really, really honor, like you need to honor your teachers and your leaders. Then he closes out verse 13 and he says, and live peaceably with one another. I'm just going to tell you, listen, as a pastor, okay, the issues that we deal with when leading the church almost always center around peace with other believers. Any parent, you know how this works in the home. You know how, you know how kids are being good? They're getting along with one another. Come on, somebody. They're getting along with each other. They're, it's just interesting that he, he, he pulls that out. I think it's important for us too because when you turn on the television, you watch the news, you look and you see you know, everyone trying to take charge and trying to bully one another and everyone has an opinion. You look around the world and you see vividly what happens when people lose a complete uh, respect and honor for authority in their lives. And that's really what's happening in our world right now. What you're seeing is a complete breakdown of authority at every level. It's happening in our government. It's happening in our medical communities. And I'll tell you, if we're not careful, it can happen inside of our church family as well. And if you think back to some of the happiest people you've ever been around, you'll see that, that authority actually protects you and creates an environment that shelters you from a lot of pain. Paul says that you need to recognize those that God has put in authority over you. The truth is, if nobody's in authority in your life, guess what you do? You get to fight your battles alone. And that's not a good situation for anyone. Scripture says that we should know those who labor among us and, over, and are over us in the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, he goes on to give us some tools in order to relate with people. As a matter of fact, he's talking to us as leaders and he's saying here, this is what your leaders are responsible to do. Look what he says. We, now we exhort you, brethren, we warn those who are unruly, we comfort the faint-hearted, we uphold the weak, and we're patient with all. So here he gives us three exhortations that help us live at peace with one another. By the way, every one of these I do regularly as a pastor and a parent. As a pastor in our church, pastors in our church, we're always focused around kind of these groups, these exhortations. We always warn the undisciplined. You know, much of what you struggle with in your life comes down to you just don't show up. You're undisciplined. I know that's true in my life. It's got to be true in yours. Some translations say unruly or lazy or idle. We know from 2 Thessalonians, the next letter Paul wrote, that they were even in the church. There are people in the church that quit their jobs and were living off the generosity of other believers. Paul specifically tells those people in 2 Thessalonians 3 to get a job and go to work so that they're not a burden. I also think Paul is making a broader statement. Here's what he's saying. In a healthy church, there should be moments and environments where you can coach people up, be coached up, encourage, be encouraged, and even challenge other believers in areas of their life that need improvement. We want to be a coaching environment where we can all grow. Are you open to people speaking in your life? By the way, you're going to have a trouble living at peace if you can't ever be coached. The next thing he says is encourage the faint-hearted. Now, this group is to be related with in a different way. 
If we apply the wrong solution, don't miss this. If we apply the wrong solution, we can actually make matters worse. Okay, there is a person that's not disciplined, but there's also a person that may be downhearted and discouraged. What do they need? They don't need correction, right? They need encouragement and they need to be lifted. They need a word of hope or affirmation. Paul is calling us to also be sensitive to those that need around us. This is really the power of small groups. I want to encourage you, if you haven't gotten into small groups, I say it all, every week, but this is the power of small groups to be encouraged, to be uplifted, right? To be able to walk alongside people who are encouraging you and helping you learn more and more about the word of God and developing relationships. The next thing that he tells us to do is strengthen the weak. Now, this is important, okay? The weak can include people that are physically weak, financially weak, or spiritually weak. They're not particularly discouraged. They're not really undisciplined. They just need your help. Have you noticed that people that need your help, they just need your help. That's just what they need. There'll be people that that we walk with that we just need to strengthen those that need help. Don't don't ask a bunch of questions. Let's just help. Let's just, who's most vulnerable? What can we do and who do we send? That's what he's saying here. This is echoed in Acts response, uh, in Acts chapter 11 to the church's response to an incoming famine. So we're to strengthen the weak. We're to strengthen the weak. One of the ways that we do this as a church family is we provide places and spaces for you to get a broad overview of God's will in different areas of your life. As a pastor, I've noticed this. People struggle in five primary areas in their life. They struggle in their faith. In other words, just knowing the basics of how to follow God. They struggle in their finances, how to steward and build wealth God's way, how to honor God with their life. Okay, they struggle in freedom from sin. They do. They struggle in family and they struggle in fitness and health. I've seen that. And so as a church family, we're committed to this holistic approach in helping you grow. Sometimes strengthening the weak means giving them the resources that they need to become stronger, giving them the gym that they need to build. We're talking about how members of a church family are to relate to one another. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 15, Paul talks about how to deal with offense and injustice. Look what he says. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always, I'm going to say always, but always, even in the tough ways, right? Even when you don't feel like it, pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for the whole, for all. Notice that even the early church had injustice happening. In other words, they had situations where people did something wrong and there were some feelings hurt. There was some offense. Paul gives us a twofold instruction. First, he says, see that no one renders evil for evil. And I'll be honest, in moments where we're hurting, the first thing we want to do is hurt the person who hurt us. I've heard it said this way, hurt people always hurt people. He says, hey, you got to break that cycle. Don't do that. The next thing he says, instead, pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Meaning that sometimes there needs to be closure to a situation. Sometimes you need to address a situation, but it's never to render evil. It's always to reconcile. This is key to healthy relationships. I describe it like this. In almost every single conflict I've been a part of, with few exceptions, if I can get both parties thinking about the win-win, we can almost always reconcile. In other words, what is it that you need to win and what is it you need to win? We can't assume that one person wins and one person loses. That's a recipe, right, for destroying relationships in the church. Both people can win. What, what is it that we need? Usually it's a big misunderstanding. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but what do we do? We overcome evil with good. So first we live at peace with each other. What's the next attitude? We live with a good attitude. I love this. 
Did you know attitude can be an attitude? You walk with a good attitude. You, 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 you're determined for peace, but you also have an attitude about you that's healthy and happy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 8, Paul talks about our attitude and how we relate to our circumstances. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, not just the good things. He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That God caused those things? No, that you what? In everything give thanks. That you have an attitude of gratitude. Rejoice always. Rejoice means be careful, be cheerful rather, in all times and all things. How do you do that? How do you do that when you don't feel like it? You have to focus on what's right, not what's wrong. It's very difficult to rejoice always when you're always zeroed in on what you don't have instead of what you do have. He says, pray without ceasing. That idea there isn't that you walk around and you don't ever stop praying. It's that you never stop praying in your attitude, in your countenance, and how you're carrying yourself. You're, it's like this continual dependence on God. Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 goes on to say, in everything give thanks, for this is the will in God and Christ Jesus for you. The New International Version actually says, give thanks in all circumstances. I, I, I love that because it, it says, not for the circumstance, but while you're in the circumstance, you can be thankful. We don't thank God for when bad things happen to us. That's ridiculous, right? Bad things could happen because we make a mistake. We do something crazy. Maybe somebody else hurts us. Maybe it, it's a re, nobody's at fault. It's a result of, of the sin around us. We don't thank God for the sin, but when we're in the circumstance, we thank God that he's with us in that situation. The next attitude that Paul talks about is, is he says, live empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we're at peace with one another. We live with a good attitude, but then we live empowered by the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21, he says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies, but test. Everyone say test. Test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. I love that he says this because this particular church struggled and being able to really read, is that a word from God or not? I'm going to give you guys just a, a, a 101 on prophecy. Okay, and, and this isn't in my notes. I'm just going off script here. Is that all right with anybody? All right, I want to talk to you a little bit about this because we have a lot of people who want to give prophecies and announce things at us, especially when the world seems like it's being turned upside down. As a matter of fact, not too long ago, I was speaking to these great people behind me, and I was talking to them about how they can tell this by the Spirit of the prophecy, whether or not it's from God. Okay. The first thing is you need to understand anything that pronounces condemnation and judgment on a believer. Okay. Is not for a believer. Meaning that it, when, when, when you're talking about the wrath of God and it's mean spirited and it's, and it's just and, and, right. And there's no Jesus or gospel in it. Remember the Bible says that Jesus took the penalty of sin on the cross for every one of us, past, present, and future. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, you can read prophecy that way. Make sure you understand the New Testament gift of prophecy is a redemptive gift that encourages you to correct and to move in the right direction. Okay, it's not a condemning, it's not a condemning word. Okay, the next thing that you can do is you can also, uh, you can also test a prophecy by where it came from. Is it a trusted source? When you read the Old Testament, these prophets that would give words, they were trusted prophets. Here's, what, here's how you can trust a prophet. When they give a prophecy, it happens. 
All right? And they have a track record for following God. They have a good spirit. They want to see you grow. They want to see you, you know, move forward in your life. Okay? But they also have a track record of hearing from God. Those are just a couple things I want to encourage you. Remember, Paul says here, we need to test everything. Because not everything that's spoken over you, not everything that's laid in your lap is from God. You know, I remember some time uh, ago, somebody emailed me a doom and gloom prophetic word, and they spoke all these mean things about our church. I mean, just all kinds of things to me. I didn't know who this person was. They emailed me, right? They, you know, and they sent all these things. And when I, when I dug a little deeper and I tested the prophets, I started asking questions. They said some things about me personally that I didn't really understand because I didn't know who they were. So I started asking my team and asking those who knew me the most, hey, is this true? Hey, could I be like this sometimes? Right, And then as I got deeper into the story, I realized that the person who sent me the email was really just offended and, and came from another church background and didn't like how we did church. They really didn't have a prophetic word from God. They had critique on how we did things. That's different. I'm telling you, when you test things, you don't need to just accept everything as truth. You have to test it against God's word. And this is why community is so important. You're in community around people who will be honest with you. Well, they'll tell you if you're really like that and you can make adjustments. The next encouragement that Paul gives the church at Thessalonica is that they need to avoid temptation. I love this. This is an attitude, an attitude that avoids temptation. Here's what we do. We tend to see how close we can get to the line. What Paul's saying, hey, you want to be the kind of people who see how far you can get from it, right? Because as God draws you to himself, right, you become less and less like the world, So he says, you want to have this attitude that doesn't go looking for a fight, doesn't go looking for temptation, but actually avoids temptation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22 through 24 says, stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. God will make this happen. I love this. It's not about how strong you are, right? You keep your eyes on Jesus no matter what's going on around you. Okay, God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. He is faithful. Paul makes it clear here that we are called to a pure life in every way spiritually. In our soul, our relationships, how we think, and even with our body, how we relate to the physical world. Our spirit is born again when we accept Christ. The Holy Spirit now lives with us giving us the strength to overcome in every area of life. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives as we walk through difficult times, Lord, as we walk through uncertain times. May we keep our eyes fixed on you. You will perfect the faith you started in us when we first believed. And Father, we believe that. Lord God, we look at your eternal word, inspiring the Apostle Paul to write this letter to the ancient church at Thessalonica, Lord, it was really for us too. 2,000 years later, we can still use every single word that Paul wrote to guide us through these times, through this age. God, I pray that as we continue to go about our day, Lord God, we would prioritize these attitudes. God, we would commit to community even when it's hard. Father, we would not walk away from each other, but Father, we would be committed to each other in a way a better way. Father, that that from those connections, Lord God, from those relationships, we become stronger and stronger every day as we follow you, Lord. May everything we do and say bring glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you are in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.